All of our plant medicines are ancestral medicine. Every single plant medicine that we currently use, right? And I'm talking about vision enhancing, AKA psychedelic plants. They all are ancestral medicine. Like every single one was used by indigenous people in ceremony. Welcome to Voices of Esalen, I'm Sam Stern. My guest today is Sochi Lache, professionally trained herbalist and sacred plant medicine guide. At 16 years old, she became the first female of five generations of men to be initiated into the healing traditions of her Peruvian ancestral lineage. She's the founder of an indigenous women-owned retreat company that offers legal Mazatec psilocybin mushroom retreats in Mexico. Her mission is to honor the traditional indigenous knowledge and ceremony of sacred plant medicine to provide authentic and powerful life-changing experiences. So, so Chil, because of the work you do is so deeply informed by your ancestral heritage, I thought we could start off this discussion by, by honoring your ancestors. So if you please, would you tell me a bit about your lineage and your healing traditions? Of course. So I come from a line of five generations. So I'm fifth generation medicine woman. And my father's a medicine man. My grandfather was a medicine man, my great grandfather, and then my great great grandfather. And that's as far as we can trace. While I consider my female lineage to be medicine women also they weren't practicing for the public, right? They were always medicine women for our family and our small community. Whereas my father's lineage, it was very much the males in the family were very much renowned and, and respected for their work in, in healing, um, in their psychic abilities. And so my family comes from Peru. I was born into a, a tradition of uh, Peruvian Andean medicine and traditions. But then my father moved to Mexico. So when I was an, a year and a half old, I went to Mexico. And so most of my life was being brought up in Mexico and learning from also indigenous traditions there. I was very blessed that my dad had other medicine folks in our lives. And, you know, I was able to, to learn also like Mexica tradition and the Masotec tradition. When I was 19, my, one of my dad's bestest friends is actually a Masotec medicine man. And so he came and did um, our first mushroom ceremony with the whole family. So my dad and my aunt and my nieces and grandparents, because indigenous ceremonies have always been done with family. And especially plant medicine ceremonies have always been done in family. These weren't stigmatized and we always understood the sacredness of it and its healing powers for our, our family dynamics. Um, so I grew up, uh, you know, apprenticing with my godfather. And so my lineage comes from my direct family uh, from Peru. So I bring a lot of the teachings of the Andes into the work that I do. And it's very much uh, all about remembering that your mother loves you. I always joke and say this, you know, but it's really about our connection with Pachamama, with Mother Earth as a benevolent, loving entity and all the beautiful uh, plants that she gives us for our growth and evolution and our support. Most people who have experienced working with mushrooms and know a little bit about its indigenous lineage um, can trace it back to Huautla de Jimenez and one of the most famous and renowned medicine women, Maria Sabina. 
So it was through Maria Sabina who she introduced the mushrooms to the West and this whole Renaissance happened. But we then saw, you know, mushrooms being studied at Harvard and Stanford. And, you know, this was uh, in the, the beginning of the, of the 60s of the hippie movement. I always say like, you know, thank you to the indigenous folks, not just of Oaxaca and Mexico, but like of all over the world that through so much, right? Like even at the risk of dying and getting killed, violently we're able to like you know keep these medicines and and the ways alive so we can enjoy them presently well it's very interesting the point that you bring up about sort of indigenous cultures keeping the the traditions alive through colonialism and now we're kind of living in this hmm, some would say post-colonial time in in the west but there's this huge boon in sort of like affluent upper middle class strata of society that are like so gone on on psychedelics and what you're doing is you're sort of grounding it it seems like in sort of indigenous tradition and culture and yeah talk about the meaningfulness of that to you yeah well i want to first say two things which are important when i speak as an indigenous woman about medicines one is that I come from a, a very clear place, and this is what I stand for, is that the medicines are here for all of us, regardless of our race, right, where we come from. Just because we are speaking about honoring the indigenous stewards and our connection, our historical connection with these medicines, in no way or form am I saying that it's only for us and, and then, you know, you guys can't use it, right? Like I'm saying, I'm standing that, no, no, no. Like this is for everyone. We are like, these medicines are here on purpose at this time when we need them the most. That's really like a solid place where I come from when I speak about this. Secondly, I also want to say that this, I, I, there, is a, there is a hunger. Like right now there's a huge like hunger to know, to experience, um, even to share these medicines from, from all walks of life, right? Um, so I also have to say that if we trace back, right, no matter where we come from, no matter what religion our families are currently practicing, if we trace it back generations, all of our ancestors had a spiritual and divine connection with the earth. And then, you know, later on through the evolution of religion, more and more and more we separated from this. And so it's a blessing that a lot of our indigenous communities are still like our, the way that we practice spirituality is our, through our connection to the earth. Like that is our main form of, of divine connection. This is for everyone, plants are for everyone. And we all, regardless of what we're practicing currently, have a divine connection to the earth somewhere in our lineage. And yet, because of the trauma uh, of colonialism and the eradication, oppression, of anything that wasn't Christian-based religions, but then we have a new renaissance of plant medicine and indigenous voices are, I'm like, are nowhere to be seen or heard. So thank you. Thank you for, for calling on me. And, you know, it's a great honor 
um, because I know that there's a lot of us, you know, that are of indigenous or or African um, backgrounds that have worked with these medicines that um, are just coming into the light, are just expressing our voices. Part of that is also because we've been wanting to do it in a way that's really honorable to our traditions and really giving so much honor to, you know, what, what, our, what our ancestors have gone through to, to get here so that I, I can stand here today and, and share about these medicines. Just because it's like you have, you have like Instagram shamans now and it's cool. You know, it wasn't cool for my grandfather in Peru to, you know, to practice healing, like he actually had to close the shop down and people knew and they would come after the shop, his shop was closed to come and get healing from him. In in Latin America, like people are, are almost fanatical about Catholicism. And like, I feel that the US is way more decolonized in so many ways than Latin America. I mean, you still go there. And, you know, even amongst my family, it's like, I have to be like, if it's not people directly from my healing lineage, they're still dealing with the, like looking at these uh, plant medicines with like all the stigma. And I'm just like, oh my God, we're in Peru. Like we're in Mexico and we're still dealing, dealing with this, you know? But Jill, do you have a sense of how long uh, plant medicine has been used in indigenous cultures? Uh, yeah, I just did a, a presentation for the microdosing Institute because I really, they were so awesome and that they really understand that when you teach microdosing, it's good to bring in some of the indigenous wisdom around using these medicines uh, and, and our connection to them, our spiritual connection, right? Because a lot of what's happening is that people are seeing this medicine as, as like physical medicine, not spiritual medicine, right? Like today we were talking about um, how some, some people just want to like look at the molecules and the science of it, which is fine. We need both. There's codexes, right, that were found in, in Mexico that where they show like actual like mushroom ceremonies that date up to like 3000 years. There's also some uh, carvings. I mean, we like the mushroom stones, they don't know how old they are. Um, there's also carvings in certain pyramids that date, uh, you know, could be up to 5000 years. So these, you know, unfortunately, because of colonialism, what happened is that like everything was burnt down. When I was in Peru studying with some of my teachers, I, I made an effort to visit all the temples that weren't in, on the touristy route. And one person was telling me that the year that the Spanish came, one of the priests in one year, he dynamited 600 temples. Hmm. So, I mean, we had temples everywhere you would walk a block and there would be three temples, you know, it's just like, that's how connected we were to spirit. We know that the vision enhancing plants or the master teacher plants were used in Peru, mushrooms, huachuma, ayahuasca. I mean, it was part of our uh, divine connection to spirit. I mean, and also what's important about it is that, you know, these medicines were so revered not just for their healing powers, but also as spirits, you know, as, as, as deities that were there to help us. Like, you know, Teonanakatl 
is like uh, itself a, a, a benevolent spirit that has both masculine and feminine energies. Mm. Ayahuasca, you know, that we call her grandmother. She's a feminine snake spirit, right? So it's like we were seeing um, these medicines in our indigenous history as a sacred medicine, but also as like deities we could connect to. Like we actually saw them as uh, these incredibly intelligent, sacred, profound allies to our journey. Yeah, I want to explore more kind of like the perspective with which you lead. One thing that uh, I've learned about you is that you're a trauma-informed healer. So I'd love to hear you kind of talk about that, being a healer with plant medicines, why the, um, the focus on trauma? Yeah, so we as indigenous healers, traditions of, I'm going to be specific to traditions of Peru, of Mesoamerica, right? Because that's what I know. There's a history of, we call it susto. So when, when somebody gets susto, it's like something happens, it's too fast, it's too big, and it's hard to, it's like too overwhelming. I always saw from being really little, my grandfather supporting somebody, it's like, oh yeah, they have susto. And I would be like watching him, like, what is susto? Like, where does susto come from? You know, it's very curious little child, like watching this happening. And you know, incredible healings would happen when people would get their susto removed. So the word susto is like when somebody like scares you too fast, like you're like, ah! you know, like it's like you're spooked. And so growing up, I was always, I, I lived my life in Mexico and then my mom immigrated to San Francisco. So I was able to come here during high school and college. So it really like, I mean, I, I felt very blessed to come to a city that was so diverse and progressive. And so in that I, you know, I got really interested in psychology. And of course, being in San Francisco, like personal development and all kinds of different spirituality. It was great to understand our indigenous tradition, but I was always like, okay, well, it's not like we are the only ones that get susto. Like, Susto shows up, like how does Susto show up in, the, in where I am, like in Western culture? You know, I studied a lot of therapeutic modalities and personal development modalities. And it wasn't until I started really studying trauma that I was like, oh my God, like this is what we've been healing in ceremony. This is it. We call it trauma in the Western world, but we've known about it as indigenous people. Being trauma-informed is, is very much like in line with healing through the feminine energies of the earth. So it's like, why not come and meet these medicines through gentleness? What would you say is the way that plant medicines can help in healing trauma and healing generational trauma? And, and how can you as, as the medicine woman hold space in a way that facilitates this trauma work? Yeah, well, that, that was like three questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me address, let, let me talk about the first one. One is um, the most beautiful medicine that these plants give to us is our reconnection to the divine, the divine, the divinity in, in ourselves and the divinity in nature, in our world. 
and then the divinity of each other. Like when we can, when we can connect to that, then we, we are reminded that we live in a friendly universe, right? And so that already shifts so much. It's so healing for us. It's so healing to, to remember like, oh my God, this plant is assisting me in my healing. Like what else, what else, what other goodness exists in the world for me? Mm-hmm. So that's the first one, right? Because that's, I think that that's like our original trauma. Yeah. As humans is like the isolation of like, I'm here and I'm all alone. And, you know, if you didn't have parents that just like completely gave you that healthy parental love because they were dealing with their own traumas, it's pretty hard to be on this earth. It's a heavy journey, Mm. right? So to, to have that gift of the plant medicine, which is like, here you go remember how loved and how taken care of you are automatically creates a newness in you that can take you forward and make you so connected to your own power. Right. So how we heal the second question was like, so how do you, how do you heal um, generational trauma? So these medicines um, do it in multiple ways. I can only talk about the way that, you know, we do it in our ceremonies because, you know, every plant has its own medicine, its own personality, its, the, its own way that it likes to, to heal. Psilocybin, tonanacatl, and the way that we do these ceremonies is that these are very, very healing ceremonies. And we are able... If the medicine allows us in ceremony, you know, the medicine can show us like, okay, what, you know, a person can come with a problem and they're like, man, I've tried, tried therapy. I've tried so many, you know, I've really been doing the work with myself around this. And for some reason, it's just, I don't know, like, why is, why is this block keep coming up? And, and we're like, okay, let's look at it, you know, and we're able to see it's crazy. It's like 95% of the time when, when somebody comes into a ceremony and they're like, man, I've done all this work. What is it? Like, I'm, I, I, I put the effort in and I'm still dealing with the same problem over and over and over and over again. And we're like, okay, let's look at it. And, and what gets revealed because the medicine gives you clear seeing. So you are able to in ceremony, see, you know, like, what is happening with somebody. So it's, it's, it's like the person is taking the medicine and, the, and they're open and they're able to see. And if they're not able to decipher what they're seeing, we're taking the medicine too. And we're like, okay, we're going to help you. And I'm able to see like, oh, okay, this is, I see your grandmother. I see that. I see this with your grandmother. Tell me about your grandmother. Tell me about your mother. And so we're able to, go back like the medicine it does it gives us certain powers it it, and it enhances remember i said like i don't know if i like that word psychedelic i get it i get why we're using it but it's like these medicines are vision enhancing like they allow you to see beyond what our current reality allows us to see because they they say that i'm a seer and it's like yeah i am a seer but we all are seers We just, you know, we haven't been trained to see beyond like, oh, you know, there it is, you know, 
this is the reality. And so being with the medicine, we're able to see beyond what we see in everyday life. And we're very blessed when there's a block that we don't know why it's there and why it's affecting us. And we've done everything to heal it. And yet it's there and, and keeps coming back. And the medicine allows us to see like, oh, wait a minute. It's actually not even mine. Like this has been going on, whoa, like five, four, three generations. And I've just been like, it's just been in me. And I didn't know. And so in ceremony, we're like, all right, well, enough. No more. It's like, you don't need to keep on repeating this. Mm. Like, let's, let's do the work to heal this that was in your grandmother. She didn't need to have it either. And, and then, you know, we do, we do certain things to remove it. There's like energetic things that we do to remove it. There's things that the participant also has to do to remove it. And, you know, every time it's, it's like, it's miraculous that people can actually heal. Like, you know, they, there's some folks that say like, oh my God, I've been going to therapy for 10 years. And one session, I was able to finally get it. Like this thing that's been living in me, affecting me. And now life is different. But I also want to say that it's important to have long periods of integration. Mm-hmm. Indigenous communities, we always had long periods of integration because we lived in small communities where we can meet up and we could talk and we could share. Um, But, you know, plant medicine today, it's like, I mean, I'm so happy that integration is, is a bigger part of the conversation now. But, you know, usually people would go to Peru and they would do a plant medicine and they would go back home and they'd be like, ah, what happened? Right. And so I made a commitment that for my retreats, when people come and do seven days of ceremony with me, they get a year of support because if you don't, if you don't have that integration and back to life that we used to have as indigenous communities, Mm. it can be very hard to get a healing like that, where it's been something that, that you took on for generations. And now you're, 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 you, you're free. And it's like, who are you when you don't have this? Because in many ways, it's it does serve, like even these things that blocked us served us and they just are outdated, right? So we want to make sure that we have the integration to keep them, keep the things that were outdated away and, and keep being in that new state of freedom. The history of psychedelics in the West tends to see them through the lens of white men mm-hmm. with the familiar heroes and anti-heroes like Timothy Leary, Ken Kesey, Allen Ginsberg, and so on. So, Chiel, what are we missing here? Can you fill in some of the indigenous history for us? Hmm. Well, you, you know, I can only speak on what I know. Um, the indigenous history is huge. And actually, uh, one of my goals is to start collecting some of these stories. Unfortunately, what has happened is that there's elders that have kept these stories. But then what, you know, like, for example, my godfather, right, he's an elder or my father, he's now an elder. And so I get the blessing of uh, being endowed with their wisdom. And at some point, I will pass this wisdom on, right? That, that's how, just how it was. 
back in the day and continues with some of us that are, you know, blessed like that. But some of these elders, because of, you know, colonialism still affecting us today. And if you look, let's just look like, let's look at Mexico and Peru, you know, which is what I can talk about. A lot of these younger people that would have received the wisdom of the elders are having to move to, to the U.S. to work. So they leave their countries to get, you know, because poverty and a lot of difficulty in, in making a living in, in our countries. And so this wisdom all of a sudden, you know, doesn't get transferred and elders die. So right now it's really important to gather these stories so that we can understand more and more of, of the wisdom and the knowledge of how to work with these plants. So what I've learned is, is I think the most important thing about our indigenous history with the plant medicine is that we are the original psychologists, really. A lot of what we see today in academia gets recognized because folks have gone through the process of, of studying in universities and writing research papers. And then that's what gets counted. Like, yes, that, you know, that is valid in our society. But a lot of our indigenous traditions were shared orally through stories. The other day I I was like, okay, I really want to read some books on plant medicine that aren't written by white men. It's like, I I also want to see other perspectives, right? I couldn't find much. And so it's time, you know, I'm so happy you're asking this question. Like, what is the history, right? And so a lot of the history that we have even presently is because white men went to these countries and, you know, had academia behind them. And they were like, okay, this is the history. Well, one one thing that's really interesting to me is the whole in 55 or something like that, our garden Wasson, he went to Mexico and he met up with, with Maria Sabina. Tell me, tell me more about Maria Sabina. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's a sad, it's actually a really sad story. And a lot of people kind of like skip over that, like that part. It was traumatic. It was traumatic for the Masotech community. So after, yeah, because after he came, there was, you know, Life Magazine came out. And I guess he didn't write exactly where these mushroom ceremonies were from, but he had written something that referred back to Huautla de Jimenez. So all of a sudden, there was um, a lot of folks from the hippie movement that went to Huautla de Jimenez. And even when you go to Huautla de Jimenez today, it is like this little tiny town, like way up in the mountains. I mean, even today, like, uh, you know, people ask me, like, why don't you do a retreat in Huautla? And I'm like, you know, it's coming. But like the infrastructure like there, there isn't really nice hotels yet for making people go through a journey and, and keeping them comfortable. Like yeah. that's how even today, 2022, right? We don't have like Wautla is still in development. It's a small, very small town. And so, I, I mean, I've seen pictures of Wautla back in the day and I'm just like, oh my God, you know, like that must have been such a shock to have like, 
all these young people, right, from the psychedelic movement that were like, you know, hippies, free love, uh, everything's, you know, everything's like free for all. And we're in the exploration phase. You know, I'm, I'm not like against the hippie movement. You know, my dad was a hippie too. Like he was a medicine man also, you know, was a hippie also. I grew up learning how to meditate. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up learning about like Buddhism and the Hindu tradition. So let's make that clear. You know, I grew up vegetarian in, in Latin America, you know, oh my God. I, I do know that it brought a lot of positive things, this movement, because it broke through some systems that were not needed anymore. And yet, when the hippie movement moved on to Wautla, it was just complete disaster. You had people like on mushrooms on the like on the streets, you know, semi-naked. I mean, it was just like debauchery. And it was something that the community, the indigenous community who so what happens in Mexico is that for a lot of these, and, and not only in Mexico, but, you know, uh, Peru, Latin, South America, Latin America, is the way that as indigenous people, we've been able to keep these traditions alive is that there's a lot of mixing with Catholicism. So sometimes even in, in our indigenous songs, you'll hear like, and Jesus Christ, Narina, hey, oh, hey, you know, because we had to mix them in order for them to survive. Um, but in that mixing, sometimes we forget that, you know, it was done in order to survive. And so people that are, you know, of indigenous lineages also are become conservative in that, in that kind of like Christian Catholic uh, way. And so here you have these like woo, hippies coming into Wautla and it was just like, it was traumatizing for them. They knew that Maria Sabina was the one that introduced the mushrooms to the Western world. And it, it was just, it was scary. It was traumatic. You know, their town was overrun. All of a sudden it's like people semi-naked on the street. I mean, you can imagine. And so the story of Maria Sabina is that they blamed her. They blamed her for, for this disaster, you know, this, this level of disrespect and um, and her house was actually burnt down. And I mean, I can imagine how horrible it was for, I mean, she was outcasted by her own community. Mm. And she actually uh, had a pretty sad death in that she, she died penniless, you know. She, I, th I, I believe that she was divinely guided because like I said in the beginning of our interview, like this medicine is for everyone, right? So she was divinely guided. And, you know, the mushrooms also, you know, me, I've been working with the mushrooms, so I'm 45. And so imagine I've been working with, with this medicine since I was 19. And they have a life of their own. Like they're like, they even tell me, they're like, no, you have to go to Esalen. And I'm like, okay, you know, they guide me. Like there's things where I'm just like, I am surrendering because I'm working, this is the medicine I'm working with and they're gonna guide me to how they want me to, like how they want me to share the information, right? My only responsibility and job is to make sure that the, the original guardians, the indigenous communities that have gone through so much to keep these traditions still here for us, that they are honored and respected. But everything else, they, they're doing their thing. So 
even those very traumatic and sad um, events that happened to Maria Sabina, I do know that because she was so connected, she had a, an understanding that this medicine needed to go to the West. Mm, mm, yeah. Oh my God. So interesting and such such useful information. And it's kind of interesting just to contrast her fate with that of our, our Gordon Wassons. And, you know, he publishes something in Life magazine. He's already the vice president of a Chase Manhattan Bank or something like that. But oh, he becomes, yeah, right. He's he in finance. Yeah, it was in fine, <laughs> but he becomes world famous. I mean, that doesn't mean that he had bad intention. I think he was like a huge mycologist and all that, yeah. but just that he became world famous. He spends the rest of his the rest of his days collecting curios, and he's got this huge collection of like sculptures from indigenous cultures and such. And don't know, it's interesting. Well, yeah, the contrast, right? Yeah, right. And that's why it's so important right now. It's like okay, indigenous people need to have a seat at the table, right? Because um, this movement historically has done, you know, it's like we cannot deny the the indigenous knowledge and influence in this movement. And yet the, the amount of indigenous, and I wanna say like, not just indigenous, people of color, right? Because it's like, we have a boga from Africa, right? It's, it's, it's people of like indigenous and people of color that have, um, through their lineage, been working with these plants, like we, we hardly see them at the table and in conversations. Um, so it is important for us when learning and taking a path that includes these medicines, because, you know, all of our plant medicines are ancestral medicine. Every single plant medicine that we currently use, right? And I'm talking about vision enhancing AKA psychedelic plants, they all are ancestral medicine. Like every single one was used by indigenous people in ceremony. And that's how we can trace back like, oh, okay. Ooh, all right. Like now, aboga, oh, ayahuasca, oh, mushrooms, ooh, peyote, oh, wachuma. It's like every single one, every single one, you know, Peru, wachuma in Peru. But Wachuma and Ayahuasca and Peru, and there's others too. I mean, there's so many. Um, and every single one, you know, has been um, used by indigenous people. But not only that, indigenous people of Europe too. Like, let's not forget. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's, that's an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never even thought about indigenous people of Europe at all. Are you talking about like Celts or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, talk to me about being guided to Esalen and, and your sense of the Esalen land. I'm, really, I'm curious about your perspective. Yeah. Oh, I love Esalen so much. In April of 2021, it was one of the first uh, meet gatherings that Esalen had after COVID, with, which was Enthia Wheel, and it was a science and ceremony of mushrooms. And so I was invited to be uh, part of the ceremony part. I had gone to, the first time I ever came to Esalen was actually, it will be now 11 years ago. A friend of mine, we were, you know, I was with a group of friends after um, a plant medicine ceremony. So it was like January 2nd, 11 years ago, because we had just done uh, a teepee meeting with Peyote. A group of us came to Esalen and, and we were able to spend um, two nights at Esalen. And I remember being at Esalen and just feeling the land and, and just like 
looking around, I was sitting in that, uh, in that grass area in front of the lodge and just really feeling so connected to the spirit of the land. And, and I, I made a prayer and I said, one day I'm going to come and teach here. And I had totally forgotten about that prayer. And then I get a call uh, from Dream, who who was, you know, is is the founder and director of this program, because she had been looking for an indigenous, specifically an indigenous woman that works with mushrooms. And so I was invited to Esalen. And then I remembered this prayer as I was there this time around. And then I was invited to be a teacher in residence. Um, a lot of my work really has to do with our connection to the magic of the earth and, and plants. I would teach four days a week. And so I was supposed to teach at Huxley. And I was like, no, can I teach in the Buddha garden? And of course, Esalen was so kind. They're like, yeah, go ahead. You can, that could be your classroom. So my classes were really all about doing ceremony in the garden, ceremony with the creek, ceremony with the earth. Like, so, you know, I, before our conversation, I spoke about how there's two entities. One is Esalen Institute, and then the second one is Esalen Land. And while they both co-create together and are, you know, are, are, are a one wing of the same bird, I really love to teach folks about connecting to Esalen land when they come. And I really love to honor the Esalen tribe and the folks that the ancestors of the land. So a lot of people that have been coming to Esalen ever since, you know, 20 years, there's people that come to my class that they're like, oh my God, I've been here since I was 17. And they're like, I don't know, in their 60s or something. And they say, like, I've never known that this was here. You know, I take them to some of the grinding stones that are on the land. And we actually take offerings. And I talk about the Esalen tribe. And, and we do ceremonies in these places. Because when we can acknowledge the ancestors of a land, um, what happens is that we go into right relations with them. And not only that, but then all of a sudden, like, you have them on your side and and every, they want to support you on your path. You know, Esalen is, is one of my spiritual homes because it's such, a, it's such a place of healing. This is where the four waters meet. There's, there's nowhere else like it in the world where you have, a, you know, sweet waters, like a creek that comes from the mountains, falls into a waterfall, then goes and, and meets with the ocean, and then also gets met by the hot springs from the womb of Pachamama. This, for us, indigenous people, and, and my tradition, is like, it's a, it's a portal of healing. And so when I teach, you know, when I, when I do Sarah, and I, you know, I, that's why I said, say hello to the creek for me. I know you're at Esalen, you know? It's like I teach people to have this, like, bestie relationship with the creek there you know can can you develop that kind of relationship where it's like man you know if I feel sad I just like I know that um sweet waters can heal my grief and can and if I go and do ceremony and bring an offering I am supported by this you know like everything so everything in nature supports me 
And so I must also learn to support everything in nature. And so having a sacred re reciprocal relationship of Aini is what we call it, right? Um, so yeah, I, I love Esalen. And uh, if people are hearing this, you know, go visit the creek and give some offerings. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm really glad that you talked about uh, kind of fostering a sacred relationship with the land and and honoring the ancestors and 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 uh, and honoring the land. And you you spoke about making offerings. Uh, is there anything uh, any other ways, or would you like to elaborate upon that? Because I I kind of just want to dig into this just a little bit more because I feel like um, it could be something that that I could do or or other people could do here. Yeah, of course. So. Um... We, you, we are in um, the northern part of the world. So all indigenous uh, folks, we have our own offerings, depending on where, where we're at, right? So um, we have our sacred smokes that we use. So in North America, one of the most sacred plants for us, uh, and also really in Central and South America, is tobacco. And so there's actually, when I was there, there was so many, like so many tobacco plants on the land in the garden. So you can, you can go into the garden if you're at Esalen, of course, ask whoever is heading the, the garden if you can, and you can take a little piece of leaf of tobacco and dry it while you're there. Or you can go and buy some like organic fair trade tobacco. I always carry tobacco with me. So that's one way, right? Another way is uh, flowers, you know, either either bring flowers or pick a flower. Um, another way is, so I, I like to teach how to get the more simple, you know, not make it too complicated. Like, yeah. what can I get that I, I have readily available, right? So maybe tobacco is, is not easy. Uh, flowers, you can pick flowers. Um, honey if you have everybody has a little bit of honey in their kitchen you can also even like so if you if you show up empty-handed to a very sacred space you can even pull a string of your hair and offer a string of your hair because a bird will go and and pick it and, and build a nest yeah right it's, it's just all about like bringing something i always people are like they get in my car and they're like why are there bird seeds I'm, I don't go anywhere without my bird seeds because if, if you leave some bird seeds, like the raccoons will eat them. If the raccoons don't eat them, the birds will eat them. If the birds won't eat them, the ants will eat them. And, and you know, if, if the bird eats them, at some point it will die and then it will go back to the earth. So offerings don't need to be complicated, yeah. but it's just nice to show up to a party with a gift. And, and what about words? You know, like what about connecting with the ancestors, uh, ancestors of this land? Like myself, I'm a white Jewish guy. All my ancestors are from like Poland and, and Russia and Lithuania and stuff. I don't have a, an ancestral connection to the peoples who used to live on this land. But what could I say in order to sort of like introduce myself? Well, the first thing is that, you know, it's like putting your hand on the earth and saying, Hi, you know, hello, ancestors of this land. Uh, hello, um, spirits who have tended to this land. There are, they, so the, the grinding stones, 
you know, Erica, who's been going, so Erica Gagnon, who's a great sister of mine, she also does ceremonies in Esalen. You know, we were talking about the grinding stones and she was doing some research of how old are they? Some of them, they've kind of, you know, they, they come with like a maybe, maybe could be at least 500 years old, right? And so imagine like, this place, no matter what, always had this creek. I mean, this creek has been there. That's why we find grinding stones. It's because this creek has been a source of fresh water for pff, at least a thousand years, right? At least. The ocean also, a source of great food, of fish, of food. And then the hot springs, I mean, those are ancient because those like come from the bottom of the earth, right? Like they're heated by like ancient volcanic, still like lava that's underneath the earth, ancient, ancient. So you can imagine how old this place is and how many people have died and been born here and tended to this place. So just putting your hands you know, going to the creek, putting your hands on a rock or putting the hands on, 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 on the earth and just introducing yourself like, hi, I like actually saying your whole name, you know, like I am Sam. And so in my tradition, we do like, like I, I would show up to a place um, and I would say, hi, I am Sochil, you know, daughter of, of, of Rosario and, and, and Inti granddaughter. So I, I talk a little bit about my ancestry, like introducing my ancestors to these ancestors, you know, so you know who your parents are, you know, their names, you know, who your grandparents are. And if you didn't know their names, you could even say, you know, like, I am Sam, son of my father, mm -hmm. and son of my great grandson to my grandfather, mm -hmm. like just acknowledging them and then saying like I'm here with with honor and respect and I you know I come to bring you some offering whether your offering is just a prayer of gratitude like thank you I mean I always say you know to all my students at Esalen like man how how like what a blessing we get to be here in Blesselin <laughs> It's such a blessing, you know, to be at Blesselin. It's like where the four waters meet, the sacred portal of healing. It's not just, we don't just come for the incredible classes and workshops of human potential, but we come to get healed by this land, by the beauty. I, so powerful. And everybody can do that. Everybody can just take a pause while they're there. And in Esalen or any other place of nature that is giving you comfort and nourishment and just introduce yourself and just say, I come here with great gratitude and, and honor. I, and I honor you ancestors who have tended to this land so that I can enjoy it today. Thank you so chill. That's great. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Before we, we finish today, I want to give you some space to talk about the, the ceremonies and trips that you lead oh, you. In, in Mexico. I, I read one of the testimonials that one of your participants wrote, and he said, the difference between mushrooms alone and at the magical medicine journey is like the difference between receiving a postcard with a photo of Mount Everest and actually climbing it. 
So yeah, so so talk to me, talk about the power of the group and, and of ceremony and, and what you do. Thank you so much. I have the first indigenous woman-owned retreat company that does plant medicine retreats. Um, I hope that there's going to be way more folks in the space and I'm supporting that. Um, the intention of these retreats is that every, you know, you're with us for seven days and everything is really um designed so that you not only get to partake in the medicine, we specifically work with psilocybin and do masotech ceremonies, traditional masotech ceremonies. Um, so not only do you get the medicine of the mushrooms, you're getting the medicine of the wisdom that this lineage has carried for, you know, really thousands of years of working with with this incredible plant teacher. Also, there's the medicine of being in Mexico, which is, you know, land is, land is sacred and land always is the keeper of information, divine information and intelligence. And so when we go to this land, we're able to receive so many gifts that this land gives us, this ancient, ancient land. I always say, you know, we heal in three ways when, when, when we come to do these ceremonies. We heal our, what's making us sick, which is our disconnect. The second way we heal is through belonging to each other. And then the third way we heal is belonging to the earth. Like if we don't, if we don't belong to ourselves, each other or the earth, you know, we might really be good at belonging to each other, but our relationships are not very good. <laughs> or we might be really good at our relationships, but man, we keep abandoning ourselves, right? Or we might be really good at um, belonging to ourselves, belonging to each other, but we are not belonging to the earth and, and having that divine connection with this benevolent being that is fully supporting of our path. These ceremonies are done in community. It's important to heal yourself. And there's time for uh, in, introspection and reflection. And, and there's plenty of time in ceremony to do your, your very, very own healing. But a lot of that healing also has to do with being in a very, very loving, supportive, safe community and being witnessed by that community in who you are really without all the things that you are releasing. And being in Mexico is so healing to be able to even take this medicine that has been grown, right? That comes from Huautla de Jimenez. Like, you know, there's so many mushrooms being grown all over the world now. Um, but it's really sweet to, to know where your medicine comes from, right? And, and that, like, that land is is that energy is in your medicine so yeah it's it's a powerful journey and like i said um you can't do something like this journey without integration and so what's really special about our retreats is that you have a year with us so it's you come with us for seven days and i've developed a, a program of integration where you are with us for a year because I want to see you have longing, long-term healing. I want the things that you've discovered. I want the things that you've let go of to, to stay behind as you create this new way of being from, from your liberation, really. Mm. 
right? Um, and having like all your ancestors applaud, yay, you know, like you made it, you don't, you don't have to take this anymore with you, you know? Yeah. So um, there's an upcoming retreat. There's, there's a few of them happening this year. Uh, you can go to sochilache.com and there's a link to Magical Medicine Journeys. Sochil, would you please spell that? Of course. It's X-O-C-H-I-T-L-A-S-H-E.com. And um, go to Magical Medicine Journeys. It's, it's one of the tabs and you can find out everything. You can even see the itinerary day by day. I've gotten really good comments that like, I, I, I'm very thorough with all the information. So you'll get tons and tons of information about why we make, have created these retreats. Really the, the creation of this retreat came as, a, as an answer to a lot of complaints that I was hearing which was like, I want to do plant medicine, but you know, I, I really want to do it from folks that are at the source, indigenous folks that have kept this lineage alive. And I was like, okay, yeah, like let's, let's create something that um, is by indigenous people and honors these ways and can bring a lot of healing. Thank you so much for talking with me, teaching with me being in a state of presence and, and openness. Yeah, I really appreciate your, your wisdom and knowledge and the path that you're carving for yourself in the world. Thank you so much, Nam. It's been um, such a blessing to be connected to Esalen. And like I said, you know, Esalen's one of my spiritual homes. And yeah, I'm coming back soon to do a teacher in residence. So I'll see you in campus. Go visit the creek with some offerings. <laughs> thanks for listening to voices of Esalen. today's show is produced in conjunction with peter kobabe our music is by nico holloman if you're liking this show please take a moment to rate review and subscribe and hey while you're at it share on social media until next time be well